You're listening to Heart of the Hunter. Heart of the Hunter is a serialized swords and sorcery tale brought to you as part of the Coronai Chronicles series on the Bears Grove Bardic Circle podcast. Heart of the Hunter is written, performed, and produced by Sam Chupp. Sam Chupp is a storyteller, game designer, podcaster, and author living in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information about Heart of the Hunter, check out bardcircle.bearsgrove.com. Now, please enjoy Heart of the Hunter. Abigail presented her calling card to the dour-looking butler. The butler bowed and conducted the short, red-haired Sidalian woman to a parlor. Eyeing the military bent of the room, she saw trophies from various expeditions and campaigns. On the fireplace was a strange little carving of a badger made out of ivory. On the wall, a map of the forest and surrounds around Blackpool was hand-painted on linen and stretched tight in a mahogany frame. There were also maces and swords and whatnot on the walls. Hanging above the door, rather surprisingly, was a Lunar Genti coat of arms on a black silk banner. Three black boars on a silver hill looking back at her with a canton of arms showing a six-sided gemstone. She hadn't known that the Major was also a banneret knight of the Lunar Genti, as his blazon suggested. Ah, the gratitude of princes, the Major said suddenly, interrupting her reverie. For an Arandani, he was tall and quiet-stepping, Abigail noted. He had piercing eyes. She had only seen him a few times across the dance hall floor at the annual Founders Day celebration in Blackpool. But she knew him immediately by his now snowy white beard and long flowing hair and the white line of a scar on his left cheek. Major Hoskins, thank you so much for meeting with me today. I trust you're well, Abigail said, smiling. As well as an old man can be, yes. Please, take a seat, Miss Darvin. I would hate for us to stand on formality. We are, after all, two of a kind. The Major indicated an armchair, the height of which was clearly designed for the shorter Arandani and Sidalian statures, and took his seat across the small table from her. Is that so? Abigail said, smiling. And what kind is that, if I may ask? Well... It's quite clear to me. We were both blessed with a rascal's skills and took them and made good use of them. Rather than stealing and sneaking, we offer something to our respective societies. An intriguing position to take. I think, however, that you make many assumptions about me. I'm no scout, as it were. I'm just a Sidalian lady who has made something of a reputation as a thief-catcher. Ah, yes, but I would be a poor historian if I did not know the name of Garville and Varden Darvin. Ah, yes, my father and uncle, sir. I am honored you remember them. They were on General Abram's first team of scouts, were they not? And I suspect you, Sidals, owe them quite a bit more than a simple memory. Rather, I would be willing to wager that their involvement is what gave you your little woodland republic. An interesting proposition, Major. What I'm sure my uncle would like to debate with you, should he ever relent and make his way to the city. Please, Miss Darvin, don't mistake my meaning. I honor the memory of your father especially. 
He was something of a legend among us mercenaries. And everyone knows what the Sidalians did last summer to try and keep the river road open. Yes, well, a lot of good it did us. Old men should not go riding into their own private vendettas, looking for glory, Abigail said, the fingers of one hand holding the other. But the major missed her gesture of anxiety or chose not to recognize it. We'll have to agree to disagree on that point, Miss Darwin. I've myself fully intend to go out with my boots on, as it were. But such is the way of old men. Would you like some dale bread? The butler had arrived with the steaming tea kettle, cups, and some of the flat, hard biscuits that the Arandani favor. Abigail smiled with genuine pleasure. Thank you, yes. And is that Seyfair Jasmine, I smell? The Major nodded. Why, yes, madam. You have extraordinary senses, it's clear. I like to think so, Major. Still, surely you did not think that I asked for an interview on purely social reasons, Abigail smiled. The Major shrugged as he took his tea. I hadn't thought either way. Although, I must say, the missus was somewhat dismayed to learn a pretty young Sidalian woman was paying me a call. I told her not to worry, that you were a lady of the most unreproachable character. Abigail blushed a little. My goodness, a charmer you are, Major, but it's well known how devoted you are to your lady. Indeed. So, you didn't come to interview me about my historical knowledge, eh? What may I help you with, Miss Darwin? There is a matter involving one of your current operations, Major. His brows knitted together. Ah, uh, well, as to that, we make it a habit not to speak about such things. Our missions being what they are, we like to keep our activities under wraps, as it were. Ah, uh, yes. Well, I would not ask you to betray that trust, Major, except that there are lives at stake, and the Star Moon Council has employed me to get to the bottom of things. The Council, eh? Hmm. Well, I still don't see Hoskins began. It has to do with the river roads, sir. There is a team of Hoskins irregulars currently guarding a small exploratory caravan headed north on the river road, Abigail said flatly. The major's eyebrows went up. I'll neither confirm nor deny it, miss, but what of it? Abigail took a sip of her tea and set it aside. One of our residents was murdered for a ward box, and one of your soldiers is currently under suspicion. The Major's eyes turn regretful. Ah, well, as to that, this is something of a common occurrence. Mercenaries being the solve-it-with-a-sword sort of people. Traditionally, we have made the agreement with the Watch, for example, that we will assist in the detaining of our employee at the conclusion of his assigned tour of duty, but it would be counter to our interests to have our soldier arrested in the field. Abigail shook her head and held up a single finger. I think you misunderstand me, Major. I said nothing about arresting your soldier. In fact, I think that I can assist in the clearing of her name. From what I've been able to find out, she's nothing more than a petty criminal, mostly just a sneak thief who likes to steal Fayadim oranges from the carts in the bazaar. No, actually, I wanted to give your employee something of a warning. Do you, as is the case now with most caravans, 
have a letterbox along for communications? His expression went back to neutral. We may. I do not know for certain. There are so many operations, you see. Difficult to say. But let's operate on the assumption that we do. What then? Abigail produced a scroll from within her bag. This is the message I'd like to send to her. I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask that it remain confidential, as it is official Star Moon business. But I was wondering if, given the nature of the investigation, you might be willing to send it along for me. That, well, that's an unusual request. It's not our normal policy. Abigail merely nodded and sipped at her tea again. Hoskins grinned. But for the daughter of the famous Captain Darwin, of course we're willing to help. Abigail smiled and nodded, handing over the scroll to the Major. My thanks. Aledar, Aran Singer, joy you bring to the Campania. On your return, Gazelle Lane said and curtsied. And your friends are to be afforded all hospitality. Arryn stood with Peter and Raven in the Woonjog camp, their own wagons and camp having been pitched next to it, with a copse of trees separating the two. Aledar, Mamza Lane. This is Peter, the leader of our caravan, and this is my companion upon the road. Miss Shudral Omnis, Arryn said, his eyes twinkling. What did you call me? Raven asked, as Peter nodded his head and said, Pleased to meet you, ma'am. Shudral in our tongue means Raven. Arryn Singer is constantly trying to tease. Take it not to heart, Gahelina. You are Omlis, then. A scout for your people? Something like that, Mrs. Lane. She gazed askance at the womb, Joe. Something like that. Arryn grinned and said, Garand Hunter you've met, of course, along with the Tinta boys, Morris Hunter, Karsta Smith, and Vinayan Finder. I'm afraid we're far too numerous and active to get all of them to stand still long enough to be counted, but they will all know you. Will you go and give your greeting to the father, Arryn Singer? It would gladden his heart. Not as yet, Mamza. I have business in my own camp, and... Now see here, Arryn, me lad. If your Mamza wants to take you for a bit, I can't see what harm it'll do to give you over for a short leave. We're not moving till tomorrow, anyway. The way I see it. You're too kind, Sergeant, but really. Raven grinned. No, really, Arryn, take some time. We know how important family is. Now, do you hear your sergeant, Arryn Singer? Do you go and give your greeting to your puppies? His face will be joy. And as for you two, do you come when the sun has set and eat among the campagna? We have taken a fine deer just yesterday, and he will serve us well in our stew pot this night. There is enough for all of us to eat. Will you come? Peter nodded. I reckon we can, my lady. I'm getting a little tired. Of the hard biscuits we had for breakfast? Only leave behind the errand, Donny, would you, Sergeant? We've no need for some kind of catastrophe of misunderstanding, Arryn said. 
Aye, I think you're right, soldier. Very well. We'll come at sunset, them of us who know enough manners. Until then, light keep you, Peter said. And may the road always bring you home, Mamselaine replied, smiling. When his friends had passed out of earshot, Arin turned back to his mamza and addressed her in the tongue of the Valisti. Honored mother of the Campania, I am sorry to say that it is not in my destiny to speak to the father this day. Honored singer, you are welcome to make what choices you may, as you have taught us all by your leave-taking. But I think you should still consider speaking to him. Instead, I was hoping to see the one called Corinne Weaver. Does she still travel with the Campania? Arin said. Mom's Elaine smiled. Not all of our children leave us. You should not worry about that Arin singer. Only some. Arin nodded. Your words do not fall on a stone heart, mother. And does Corinne yet remain outside of the dance of the wedded? Arin singer. You know well that her brother Jan has fallen and cannot speak for her, and the girl's mother, Janiel Spinner, has gone to travel with the honey ants. So you know that the women of the black bear must debate to find the best choice for her among the men of the tribes. Her fate remains in our keeping. And what would a man need to do to win the women's approval? Your perception is that she may be purchased like some gahe buys a side of filik in the marketplace. You have been gone too long from us, if that is true. No, of course not, mother. Although, if I choose to interpret your question differently, I might see that you are merely asking how a man of the tribe might prove himself worthy of the notice of the women's circle, and thus perhaps... Have it suggested that one beautiful girl, such as the weaver named Corinne, might be a good partner for the sachet dance, or perhaps the pavan, so to see how his blood might mingle with hers, and what fruits that blood might bear. Your second interpretation, mother, is the more fitting one. Is that so, Singer? Well, then... Just with a single thought, you will know what you must do. Good day. She smiled and picked up a basket of laundry, pausing a moment to look at the green gypsy wagon parked across the way. Father's wagon. She moved down the trail towards the river without another word. With a sigh, like the wind through the trees, Arn walked around to the front of the wagon, took the three steps up to its door, and knocked quietly, waiting for word to enter. Raven, I've been thinking. It's time we talked about something, Peter said to Raven as they walked back to the camp. Oh, yeah? What? Raven asked. The fight back at the inn. That big Agrim warrior you took down. 
That wasn't just a lucky hit with your knife, was it? Peter asked. Raven rolled her eyes. What do you mean? God, that was two days ago. Why bring it up now? Peter stopped. They were just off the main path in the deep woods. We haven't been alone, you and I, until this moment, Raven. Tell me, you used some kind of poison, didn't you? Raven looked exasperated. And what if I did? That Ogrim wasn't rushing to hug you, Peter. He was probably trying to kill us all so that he and his Tangresh buddies could make off with our stuff. I did your favor. Peter nodded. That may be the truth of it, but here's the thing. We don't use poison without express permission in the Irregulars. Now, I know you didn't know about this. The Major said you were new to the Mercs. But I have to say, it ends here. No more. Raven scoffed. I can't believe you. I saved your Lothus damned life, and you're spitting me on some stupid rule about poison? Raven was incredulous. Peter held up a hand. It's not a stupid rule. You haven't seen what I've seen, Raven. Trust me on this. It's all very well and good when you're on the street, and it's just you against them. But we've got good folk with us, and we need every one of us to make it to Irontown. So do I make myself clear? Whatever. Her contempt was only barely concealed. Peter pointed at her with his finger. Just make sure you remember, soldier, because at some point in this trip, you're going to need us again. You can't watch your own back. Raven shrugged. That's nothing new for me. Besides, I'm the one who saved you, remember? I can take care of myself. Peter nearly interrupted her. Out here, things are different, and it's not going to get any easier. So I need you to be with us, not against us. Raven's eyes were slits. Have I given you any reason to think I'm not with you? Peter held up his hand again. Not as such, no. But just sit by yourself at dinner, and don't talk much. So give us something to go on. Raven folded her arms in front of her and shook her head. If you haven't been paying attention, I can't help you. Just think about what I said. That's all I want from you. Raven started to turn away, then turned back to him. Fine, I'll think about it. But you just think about this. If it weren't for that poison dart, which, by the way, wouldn't have even made you sneeze if you'd gotten stuck... It was Nailsbane poison. You'd probably have been the first course after Dav and Gar were served for starters. Got me? Peter fought to control his temper. All right. You've said your piece. It's done here. Let's get back to camp. Let the others know we've got an infight for dinner. He started off then, and they walked together for a moment in silence. Raven grinned and let out a long sigh. <laughs> yeah. Everybody but the factor. He regarded her for a moment, then grinned himself. I think you might be surprised how willing he is to be nice once he learns there's venison stew in the bargain, Peter said ironically as they moved through the stand of trees to their camp. Enter, came the voice inside the wagon, 
and Arryn opened the door and stepped inside. He hung his cloak on the peg by the door wordlessly, before turning to give his father a proper bow of respect. The interior of the wagon was ornate, a testament to the woodcarver's art. The stories of the people, caught in fine, polished wood, lined the seams of the wagon's interior. The long ride of Vela, the last stand of Orleans, the harrowing of Irontooth. But the crowning achievement was Jaras Valesti, the first father. One hand on his walking stick, the other on his hip, somehow both merry and serious all at one time. But the image of his own father, below that carving, was quite stern. Greetings, Arryn Singer, his father said in the tongue of the people. Arryn nearly flinched at the formal, frigid tone. Greetings, honored father, Varda, leader. You have been long away from us, he said in a neutral tone. Yes, father. Sit, Varda said pointing to a large visitor's pillow chair on the floor of the wagon. Arryn nodded, flinching as he saw his father wince in pain as he sat on his three-legged camp chair. Varda made a banishing gesture when he saw his son's face. It is the knees again, always the knees. I am growing too old, Arinin. Never, father. You are as ageless as the oak. So, you have not lost your honeyed tongue, Good. Let us see what has gone past since last you were with us. He unwrapped his fortuna cards, which were swathed in fine black Chengian silk, and laid them out on the small table next to his chair, placing them down one by one and studying the patterns that formed. Arryn knew to wait quietly while he divined, but he always hated this part, catching glimpses of the faces on the cards, but not being able to see where they were placed, what they meant. So, you did not come to us a purpose. In fact, you find us without having planned to. You are with a gallant band of adventurers, among them a cunning woman with a secret. But your path is not without clouds. There are two forces bearing down upon you. The Death Eaters turn their attention to you in rage. But the other is... He stopped then, looking at one card, holding it up. The card was the Talini Tana, the rabid dog. He signified death, destruction, despair, and madness. The other is one we have seen before. Arin nodded. The one who killed Yon. The one... They call Mad Jack. I, Varda grunted. Arryn nodded, considering, then spoke. Why has your curse not found its way, father? I thought we do not speak of magic that is done, Arryn Singer. What is done is done. The Fatana will wind their weave the way they will. Of course, father, just silence. I will finish the reading. This card here? It is the tangled skein. A small thread seems to be nothing, but unravels all. I can only surmise this means there is more to your journey than we can know. Yes, father. And finally, the long ride. Vela's ride. What does this mean to you? I know not, father. 
normally it is interpreted two ways, either a sudden long journey or, or vengeance claimed upon another. Perhaps in this case it simply means that my journey is far from over. A sentiment I do not welcome. I allowed myself the pleasure of a sham Aaron Singer, that you would be coming back to us to stay. It was my hope, father, that I would be able to do so soon, but not today. I see. Father, this reading concerns me. I have... I have sensed this one we spoke of, the rabid dog. Sensed him? How? How he killed innkeepers at the Busy Bee Inn. What he did to them. Darda closed his eyes, a wave of sadness cresting over him. Yes, I see it, he said quietly. When his eyes opened again, they were full of anger. The rabid dog must be put down, Arn Singer. The blood of Jan is on his hands, yes. But he threatens us all. You were the last of us both to sense him true. Can you reach out with your sight and find him? Or have you grown lapsed in your learning, being away from the people for so long? Father? I... I will try. Seriously, Aaron's father turned to a bronze wood box on the other side of him and brought out a black and silver bowl. He uncorked a bottle of spring water and poured a shallow depth into the bowl. He moved the small table between himself and his son and doused the lamplight in the wagon's interior. There you are. Seek for him, Arinan. Find him, my son. Arin nodded and bent toward the scrying bowl in silence. You've been listening to Heart of the Hunter, a Coronai Chronicles story on the Bears Grove Bardic Circle podcast. The Bears Grove Bardic Circle is brought to you by the Fireheart Foundry family of podcasts. Fireheart Foundry also produces the Bears Grove, Dragon Ken, the podcast for kids and gaming, the Square One podcast, and Vibrant Living. Find out more about Fireheart Foundry at fireheartfoundry.com. This podcast is brought to you under a Creative Commons Attribution, No Derivatives, No Commercial Use, License 2.5. Music today was provided by the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. The songs were Green Druid by Dignity, Crossroads by Lidner. Links to these songs and their creators will be provided in the show notes. Thank you for listening to the Bears Grove Party Circle and hope you come back to our fire very soon.